Sam, uh, thank you for um, your time and wanting to do the interview on the homework series. Um, and before we dive in, can you say just a few words about who you are and what you do? Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. So my name is Sam Miller. I am a registered psychotherapist uh, based here in Toronto. Um, and I've been a ther psychotherapist for over 15 years. Um, at present, I do three things. I have a small uh, psychotherapy practice, but I do a lot of work with businesses and individuals around what we call corporate health and wellness. So various initiatives on creating a healthy workplace, such as workshops, lunch and learns, um, conflict resolution, mediation, anything to do with workplace issues. And I'm also a trauma specialist or a trauma responder. So um, I will go out to workplaces. I will respond to workplaces after various kinds of what we call critical incidences, things like bank robberies and terrorist attacks and, and sudden deaths and all kinds of workplace related issues. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been doing this for almost 20 years. Um, it's a little bit different now in COVID, the way we're doing it, but uh, that's a little bit about who I am and, and what yeah. I do. And thank you for, for this introduction because uh, when we first met, it was, uh, for me, it was interesting to hear about what you do and especially the, the trauma, the kind of trauma that you are talking about and the fact that organizations address it um, one way or another. So, and through your, your work and what you do, and this, this was so impressive for me. Um, and because we are in, in the midst of a pandemic and in the midst of all sorts of other events that add up to what already was what we were calling a crisis, um, I wanted to ask you, first of all, how did work change for you? So how does it look now uh, once we've had this crisis and the lockdown? So it, it, it's interesting because it, for me, it was in and continues to be a two-phase issue. The first phase was going from the work I do very much face-to-face, -face. so psychotherapy clients face-to-face, -face, giving workshops, um, responding on-site to traumas, that stopped immediately. We were locked down, that stopped. So for myself, there was an adjustment piece of how do I support my psychotherapy patients? And how do we go from face-to-face -face delivery of webinars and workshops and, and the same thing in terms of responses for traumas? So there was a good two to three week at least period of just adjusting. I mean, you can always support people in a certain uh, aspect over the phone, which I did initially, but included with that was also because the work that I do is psychology based, there's rules and regulations as a psychotherapist that I have to abide by. So it's not as simple as saying do a Skype interview because there's confidentiality, discretion issues. So it was working through all of that, contacting a number of the uh, organizations, employee assistance providers that I consult to and saying, how are we doing it now? Um, and so there was this transition to what now is, is, uh, Psychotherapy is either Zoom or, or another accepted platform or sometimes telephonically. Mm -hmm. 
workshops are now webinars. Um, and there's a whole, there has been a whole process of training and continual training on how do you deliver a webinar as close to what you want it to be in terms of the delivery of the information. And then for me, and I've done webinars in the past, so it wasn't that difficult of a transition. The most interesting slash difficult transition was that of trauma response. Mm -hmm. Because it's one thing to go to a bank after it's robbed and sit in front of the tellers and, the, and say, here's what you went through. And let's, you know, and part of it is seeing people's reactions face to face mm -hmm. um, to then doing that over the phone or, or doing grief counseling for an organization that lost someone to whatever, whether illness or suicide or accident, whatever it may be. And now doing that in a Zoom room where some people won't want, will want to let the video roll, some people won't. Some people will be talkative, some people won't. And it's, again, it's, it's all about adjusting. I mean, this may become a bit of our new normal anyways. So it was about that transition. It, it's difficult. I will tell you, there are challenges and there are still, we're still working this through like many people are in this, era, in this age of COVID. But yeah. it's been... It's been a shift. The theories and principles of what I do are the same. It's just how do you deliver it in a consistent, uh, an ethically proper, and a safe way. Yeah. So, and because you mentioned that you, um, you, you're working with people and it, it takes it takes adjustment, right? It takes time for people to adjust. Um, what, what changes... Um, have you seen in the way that people work now or or relate to each other in this new environment um, and from your psychological perspective how how can we make it as healthy as possible to keep our um, our, our mental health in place as much as we can so so I'll answer in two, um, two ways. Just firstly, in terms of individuals' mental health with respect to, to COVID. Uh, it's interesting because it, with people who were suffering with things like anxiety, for example, prior to COVID, and depending on their lockdown situation, COVID can exacerbate that anxiety. And for some people who didn't have anxiety issues or we're managing and coping and not realizing maybe some of the challenges they had potentially now the lockdown the isolation um, is bringing out certain issues certain anxieties with individuals uh, I can say a lot of what I would normally say lockdown or not one of those is, is, is self-care um, even before COVID we are and continue to be individuals who just go 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 it's it's fast paced it's i mean if you look at one for me one of the benefits of covid the silver lining if you will is people reconnecting on a level families reconnecting on a level um that they that they haven't done before so that's healthy but if you're in isolation or or you don't necessarily have that support self-care is really important eating well exercising um sleep uh, for one reason, which is we know that there's a, a mind-body connection. And when you're under stress, when you have that intense worry and anxiety, that's going to not improve your immune system. It's going to affect your immune system. So your, your self-care from a health perspective is really important. Um, it's also about still maintaining connections. Human beings are creatures of habit. 
And so, you know, we like our coffee at the same place and we have our routines. Something like COVID is, is, is that the ultimate stressor, the trauma that says, okay, we're throwing all your routines out the window. Even in that kind of a situation, there still are routines. Um, and so if you can develop a routine where you get up in the morning, almost as if you're going to work and you have those routines, whether it's eating, whether it's exercising, that's, that gives you back some of that sense of control that we all desperately need in a situation like this, if, especially when things are, are constantly changing. So you need some consistency. Um, and it's also about not only learning how to stay connected, but to connect with other people. Um, and, and you asked some of the things that I've seen. One of the things that I've seen, which is extremely rewarding uh, as a therapist, um, uh, the acts of kindness, um, the small little things just beyond what, what you know we sometimes experience, whether it's going out for food because you can and someone else can't. Um, it's some of those tiny little things which are really good for our national psyche, so to speak, as, as we as a people, as a nation, are dealing with uh, this trauma. So if there's a sense that we're all in this and we're all trying, that, that can be consoling. But again, if you are someone at risk, make sure that you're staying in contact with your therapist, for example. If you know someone's at risk, reach out. It's really important to maintain those connections. I'll give you an example from trauma. Uh, if I go out and I'm doing grief counseling, someone's passed away. So the normal way we would do it is, I'm in an office, I'm with a group of people, we're talking, they're talking to each other, you know, relating, consoling, right? And talking about things like, we'll all meet at the viewing, at the funeral, etc. Well, that's not available now. Yeah. So what do we do? So, so there's the um, connecting via Zoom, via, via phone calls. I mean, people suggest, you know, send an email, send a text, I'm not saying that's not a good idea, that is, it's a form of connection, but studies have shown that the, the, the effect of that interaction is going to be greater if it's an actual face-to-face Zoom like we're doing or a phone call. So those are, are some of the things that's really important. And it's about allowing people to have difficulty, right? And allowing yourself to understand that this is difficult. If you're not allowing those emotions to exist, then what you're doing is you're creating another level of stress. Mm -hmm. You're stressing yourself out for being stressed out, for being upset, for being angry. With, from a trauma perspective, my biggest job as a trauma therapist is to say to people, whatever the emotions you have, that's normal. It's what's going on is the abnormality because that allows us the process of starting to deal with the emotions, acknowledging them, working through them and then being able to kind of move on to that resilience and, and, and getting better perspective. You can't start unless you, you know, you acknowledge that these emotions are not. So um, it's, it's great that you mentioned that because I wanted to ask you, would you say that we are now collectively in, 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 the, in a trauma state altogether given everything that's going on um due to due to the crisis and um how would you how would you say that we need to address this in the context of work because you mentioned okay you need to allow people to express that they're having difficulty that they're feeling anxiety that they have all of these feelings 
and in the context of, of work and ex, uh, expectations of productivity and bringing your, your best, how does that look since we all are, are, are here in, in this bucket, right? How can we deal with that at work? So th th there's two perspectives. One's the perspective of the employee and the other is the perspective of the manager or the employer. Um, from the manager perspective, um, it's about understanding crisis. It's about understanding the difficulty. And, and one of the uniquenesses of, of what we're going through when you talk about are we, is this a, 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 a or are we experiencing this, you know, all together, so to speak. And this is the first time in my lifetime and, and, and in a long time where we're in a, what, what we call a global pandemic. This isn't something specific to a certain area. We're all doing this, right? And, and, and you know, I saw one of your, your videos with someone from Denmark, right? I'm contacting people all over the world and it's, it's right, because we're, this is a, a global pandemic. But if I'm a manager and I'm trying to get the best out of my, my employees, um, I, I need to talk to them about things like appreciation for what they're doing. Um, sometimes it's giving guidelines about how to work, right? Because we're redefining the workplace. And, and the, even though the workplace now is no longer nine to five, even before COVID, the, the risk factor of, of working from home is burnout, is, is people spending too much time, is, is balancing that, you know, meeting over Zoom as the kids are walking in behind or there's an emergency, right? So, so it's about giving some guidance. Um, it's also about giving an avenue for your employees to talk as well. Um, I think it, especially in, in this situation that we're in, it will be highly beneficial to most managers, most executives to either take a course or do some serious reading about mental health awareness because that's very relevant in the workplace now. But you create those, those, those um, points of contact, um, you're clear on your expectations, you do have flexibility because understanding that we're all working through this uh, in, in, in a different way. So you're providing that, like I said, you're providing those guidelines, but you're also allowing for flexibility. And sometimes the guidelines are about forced downtime, right? You can say to an employee, you know, yes, we're concerned about the productivity, um, but we're also concerned about you. And, and you know, uh, even in this COVID, I've seen examples of people who um, are, are working from home and they're getting things like dinner sent in by their employee once a week or, 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 or continual meetings where they're, you know, talking about how good you are doing it. And I've seen um, other, other companies that say, you know, you're in lockdown and when, you know, usually you can't do all that over time, but we're expecting more from you. And so there's that un sometimes unrealistic expectations. And frankly, if, if, if you're going to manage through COVID, hopefully you were that kind of manager that understood your people and took the time to learn those relationships before COVID. Those are the people I think who are most successful now. As an employee, um, hopefully it, it, you're in a workplace situation where if you are having difficulty, you can talk to your employer. Be open, be honest. Um, most people, most uh, employees and employers that I'm talking to are having that dialogue, right? Things around what's the future of the company? What's the future of my job? How do we best understand it? All those 
uncertainties. Um, from my perspective, even when we're talking about change, I mean, again, pre-COVID, if I was consulting on managing change, it would all be about communicating information. This isn't different. So it's about really maintaining a good, strong communication stream between employee and employer. Yeah, and, and you're right, there's a difference. Um, and now it's more about um, rather crisis management than, than change management, because with, with right. change, you know what you want to change things into. With, with crisis, you never know what tomorrow brings and you never know how, how, how it will look, right? So you, you right. kind of have, prepared, have to be prepared to improvise a little bit as well. Um, right. I, I think the change management is going to come a little bit later as we come out of COVID. And that's going to be what's the new, the new workplace. Exactly. Right? That's where the change management is probably going to be more, yeah. more relevant. So, so what, what do you imagine? I wanted to ask you this, and, and now you mentioned it. So it's the right time. What, what do you think the, the, the future workplace will look like? Uh, or what, what would you say um, we, sh we should be thinking about when we're thinking of creating this new kind of, of workplace? Because we all know, so now we're, it's everything flexible. Now we're working from home. This was unthinkable before. I mean, there were people who didn't trust that other people could be working from home, right? And then they right. didn't offer it. Now they had to. So now people... People saw that actually working from home sometimes means working longer hours and maybe even harder than before. Um, so how do you think this will impact the, the new workplace and how it will look in the, in the near future? Um, I wish I had that answer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's Right. Uh, let, let, let's talk about the variables that contribute to, to that kind of a, a question. I think it's going to rely on a number of things. Number one, from an employer's perspective, they're now looking at it from a, well, this is a lot more feasible than I thought it would be. It, it, it is an option now. And so that's an option that's going to involve what types of work can be done at home. If we allow people to work from home, how does that affect our, our, our costs? You know, uh, space rental, uh, IT, all of those factors. That's going to be one factor. I think another factor is going to just be dictated by some industries are, are going to go back to the way they were just because they need to be that way, maybe with some minor changes. Um, and for me, individual perspective, I've talked to so many people who, who say, you know what, this kind of got me to slow down and I like it. So I don't necessarily want to go back. Or um, I, I really like the fact that I don't have the two hour commute back and forth every day. Um, so um, I'm willing to take less money to do something different, right? So, so you have that, that, that human, human factor, you know, human emotions factor um, that, that are going to play into it. Um, so there's a, those are, are, are a number of the costs. And I think um, I was talking to a, a, a doctor the other day and, and we were talking about the return to the normal and what that's going to look like. Um, and he was of the opinion that once we have a vaccine, we're going right back to where we were. Right back to where we were. I don't agree because I don't think that takes into effect some of the emotions and the realizations from a operational perspective from an emotional perspective. 
Um, and, and the other perspective is, I think, what this has created, um, fortunately, but somewhat unfortunately, is, is a, a consciousness of, I wouldn't say suspicion, but a consciousness, consciousness of being a little bit more careful, a little bit more distant, right? And, and the question will be, how is that going to play out in the workplace? That, that interaction of trust or not trust. Mm -hmm. right? Again, when we have the, you know, a, either a cure or a vaccine, it'll be a little easier to say, okay, I trust you, I don't trust you, it doesn't really matter, we've got this underhand. You know, so the science is also going to dictate, you know, uh, how that is. But I, I suspect that it will be a combination of how it was and, and, and how it is now. As, as, as from myself personally, in terms of the work I do, um, some of the organizations I consult to are already talking about creating new services based on doing things remotely. So it, it, it's, it's going to become a new reality question is what percentage um we don't know yeah yet. yeah that, that's true and i think um it will also take some some time for us to to be able to find a balance in, yes. in all of this um but i i i really like to think that we learned something that's valuable and that we can apply in terms of uh you know we've shared so much of our personal lives and spaces with each other um, and I think we've built so much trust even from a distance or uh, due to the distance because we as you were saying before we we started to connect differently um, I mean before this crisis we all know we would sit at a, at a table somewhere in a coffee shop and people will would, would be checking their their messages on the phone um, now we crave for that, that connection to happen and for that dialogue to happen. So we're more engaged in conversations, even if they are virtual. So, um, yeah, I think it's all about balance. And as you said, um, some industries will just have to go back to the way things were before because they have to, because this is what, how they function. Um, that was um, a great point. Maybe they can also, I don't know, implement some of the new things that they learned, at least in terms of how you can manage people and how you can make a, a workplace more, more human and more connected. It's very interesting because one of the focuses that I, I always try to inject in, in any of the workshops I do is, is my profession is mental health, mental health awareness related very much so. And I'll often go in and talk about mental health awareness and when we talk about mental health, there's a continuum all the way from mentally healthy to a diagnosable illness. And people challenge me and they say, if we're talking about mental illness, why do we have to talk about mentally healthy? And my response is, that's such an important component of when things are well, when you're having that dialogue and you get to know someone and you do the time, do the things that we are now being almost forced to do in terms of connecting, that richness of connection, that richness of understanding a little bit more about each other leads to a workplace environment where if I'm someone with mental health challenges, it's really brave, courageous, and scary for me to talk about that. But if we've created a, a really healthy workplace by doing some of the things that we 
are doing now, then I'm creating an environment where we're more accepting and it's safer and more comfortable for me to talk about it. And so I'm hoping just, you know, to say what, you know, to echo what you were saying about these wonderful connections that we've made, I'm hoping that that's in, you know, that's going to go a long way towards creating better employee employer relationships. As exactly. Well. Exactly. So yeah, I'm looking forward to, to finding out how, how we're going to make that happen until then. And before I let you go, I wanted to ask you, what, what do you think or what is the first thing that you want to do when the lockdown restrictions are lifted? So if we're talking personally or, or, or professionally, personally, um, I, I, I have, uh, I'm lucky to have a number of children and a number of grandchildren. Um, I've seen most of them, but one of my sons and my daughter-in-law and my soon-to-be one-year-old grandson I have not seen. And so as soon as we can figure out that's, that's, that's my focus, you know, outside of, um, you know, outside. From a work perspective, um, once this lockdown is, is over or officially over, or the pandemic is officially over, I'm really excited. Uh, and, I, and I say that because I'm really excited that this is going to be um, a different, a different world, a different workplace for sure. Um, and, and from my perspective as a therapist, who often and a trauma counselor often talks about, you know, talk to me before the trauma happens. I'd rather talk to you than. I think there's some wonderful opportunities, very positive opportunities that that if we if we set it up right, if we make those right connections, um, I'm really excited about what that workplace is going to look like. So, so the first thing that I would do is probably take the time to actually sit face to face with some of the wonderful connections I've made this way, right? And kind of go, oh, hi, can we really have a coffee? No, because I think that's going to be a wonderful opportunity to take what have become wonderful relationships um, before we've met, or well, before we've met face to face, and now be able to take that to a well. Now I know so much about you. It's so nice to actually meet you, right? Yes. That's going to be exciting. Yeah, I like it. I know so much about you that it it will be nice to actually meet you. Um, that's a that's a very good line. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. To, to end our conversation. So thank you very much, uh, Sam, for agreeing to do this interview and for sharing all of this super useful information. Looking forward to seeing what the future is going to look like. Again, thank you so much, Roxana, for the, for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Take care.